0: Hello, and welcome to the Teachers Inspire podcast for 2022, organised and run by Dublin City University. Teachers Inspire is an Ireland-wide initiative that seeks to celebrate teachers and to recognise the transformative role they play in our lives and in our communities. My name is Louise O'Neill, and I am delighted that I have been asked once again to curate and share with you the many uplifting stories about teachers who have made a difference in your life. Check out these stories and more on the website teachersinspire.ie In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about early childhood education. Now, it might sound very formal or off-putting when you hear the phrase early childhood education, or you might also be thinking, Louise O'Neill doesn't have any children. So what does she know about early childhood education? Um, Not much, which is why my guest is here with me. Um, But uh, apparently that playing with your baby or young child is not just a great way to spend quality time with them, but it's an important part of the early childhood curriculum framework. So we will talk about that shortly, but first, as you may know, I love to read and I'm often asked by parents, how can they encourage their child to read? And I always say that when I was a child, my parents always read in the house. And I think that as a child, you, you mimic what your parents do. And reading is one of the easiest and most enjoyable things that a parent, guardian or caregiver can do with a child. So Teachers Inspire called into one house where reading has been encouraged. Our producer, Elaine, spoke with six-year-old Nasa O'Sullivan and her brother Finbar and their parents, Kieran and Sarah.
1: So I have this one. Uh, It's called Amelia Fang and I used to like her but it's still got one chapter left.
2: So you have to finish that still.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And what? What's that
1: one? This one is called What the Ladybird Heard, and I used to like this one a lot as well.
2: What do you like about that? Because when you open that up, I can see lots of pictures and colours. What did you like?
1: I liked about them making different sounds at night. And I like to read a lot because it helps me get to sleep in the night.
2: Can you read a little bit of that for me? Because I'm not familiar with that book at all.
1: I'm not able to read this one.
2: Okay, you'll read it.
1: Once upon a farm lived... A fat red hen, a duck in a pond, and a goose in a pond. My name is Finbar, I'm eight, and I'm in second class.
2: You've got a a stack of books there. Tell me about them.
1: Um, This is Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl, and um, I used to read this at night. This is... um, a Beast Quest book and a Treehouse book, it's a very funny book. And this is um, that, that Roddy Doyle, Rovers, Rover's Adventures and another Roddy Doyle book, The Giggler Treatment. A uh, Diary of Wimpy Kids, also quite funny. And then these are the Bertie, Dirty Bertie books, which are
2: also very funny and
1: Um, Um, I like it a lot.
2: Your children told me beautifully there, you know, what they like and the books. And you've you've clearly encouraged and nurtured that love of reading with them since they were very small. Would you tell me about that and why it was important to you?
3: I suppose I was read to an awful lot as a child, so books were very important in my childhood. Um, My parents would have read to me, especially my mum. I'm a teacher as well so we would put obviously a huge emphasis on reading in school and the one mantra that we have all the time is to encourage parents to read to their children. It doesn't really matter what you read, it's the whole act of reading, the mechanics of reading, the pleasure of reading and really encouraging to read for pleasure because I suppose if you think of it as a gift that gift stays with you for the rest of your life and then you know that you're never really alone or you're never going to be bored as long as you have a book to entertain you. So I kind of took that value and I really wanted to pass it on to my children.
2: How old have they been when you started to read with them?
4: Well, we would have read read them right from the start anyway, like, you know, and having it that books are around them all the time, like books by the bed, um, bookshelves everywhere, uh, us reading in front of them, us reading books at bedtime, just that behaviour showing that because... Like we know from everything that the more you read, the better things will be, the easier certain things will be in life. But also just that love of reading and being able to just sit down and seeing see a book and being excited about what happens tomorrow night when you get back to it, that kind of thing. You know, so. Do
2: you think also it, it helps parents to have a bit of special one-on-one quality time with their children?
4: Yeah, it gives you a big bond with them when, you're younger, when they're younger. And we're just with Finn now, we're moving to the stage where he's reading more on his own so he's still at the stage where he loves the thing where we'll read a story to the two of them but then he goes into his bed and he'll read and NASA will read a little bit but she's you know she's kind of getting into it more and more but for him that thing of he's you know he was mentioned he just finished reading Dogman and he's looking forward to getting the next one he's proud of himself that he got you know he got to the end of it and that little sort of a buzz that he gets from it and then sometimes he'll go back and he'll look at one of the books that maybe we read to him and he gets another little kick out of it that way anyway so it's great for them like. Yeah. Do
2: you ever have an instance where you're reading to your daughter or son a book that you liked when you were a child?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. And we all have our biases that way. <laughs> like, you know, I you heard the mention of the Roald Dahl stuff um, and there'll definitely be books and books, you know, Sarah mentioned about her mother. And like she has this little book called Smoke and Fluff. I've never seen it anywhere else. It's an old little like oh, yeah. hardback Ladybird book and it must be about 50 years old kids love it. And then we're like, you know, that book, The Treehouse, I was mentioned to you earlier on, like we enjoy reading that to them because it's hilarious. Like, you know, so there are new books for us as well. Like, you know, um, and it's great. It develops their sense of humour. It's kind of very family orientated as well. So it's something that we all do together. That's a big thing. I think, you know, the fact that uh, we, we probably get as much out of it as them, to be honest. You.
0: Thank you to Nasa and Finbar and their parents, Sarah and Kieran for chatting to Elaine. And now in studio with me, I have Dr. Sinead McNally. So welcome to the podcast, Sinead. Thanks, Louise. Uh, You are an assistant professor in psychology at the DCU Institute of Education, and you teach developmental psychology and research methods in early childhood. So that's about kind of from childbirth to six years? Yes, and up to eight. Okay, up to eight. Um, And it was funny when Mm. we were listening to that recording there, like we were... Nodding along and <laughs> you know yeah exactly, and <laughs> smiling and and sort of really in agreement with mm. everything I suppose particularly that um that Kieran was saying um, and and mm. I was struck by you know what he when he was asked when they started reading to the mm. kids, and he said pretty much from from when they were born, yeah. and I'd love to sort of hear you speak about I
3: suppose the importance of that. Yeah, that was just such a wonderful clip to listen to. And mm. as you say, nod and smile along yeah. too. And uh, the books that were named are favourites of my six and nine-year-old as well. So yeah. gorgeous to to hear. Um, but yes, we found in a recent study that reading to children as early as nine months, so when they're right. before they can talk, essentially, yeah. is linked to children's language um, abilities at age three when they start preschool. So it's kind of counterintuitive before uh, children are producing their first words, what we actually do with books can make a big difference to their vocabulary skills, mm-hmm. which, as we know in education, then predicts how well children do when they start school, for example, and in later life. So just even from a cognitive educational perspective, the reading early on can make a big difference.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, and I suppose, do you think that it's easy for us to forget like how much both children... And adults can get from reading you know that, it, that it's not just the kids that the parents can you know I suppose drive pr- pleasure from it as
3: well. Yes it's huge and, and um, yeah. Kieran was referring to the whole family experience mm. and what they were getting from it as well but the confidence that the, the kids um, had when they were talking about their books that's fabulous it's this interaction with books so they referred a lot the, the mum and dad, to the fact that they had books in the house just mm. access to books mm-hmm. and we would talk about the library as really important. So Mm. that whole ecology of books um, Mm. supports children. So it's, it's not just about what we do cognitively and in terms of language skills. But there's a huge literature around the responsivity the fact that we're sharing a space a very special space mm. with children when we read mm. and it's one of those things that is as much fun for us as adults as it is for young children mm. um so it is there's something pretty unique about it also about play which is very related to to books um but reading is one of those things that um, when we take that time with our kids to do it and or we can find that time to do it mm-hmm. um, everybody really in- seems to enjoy it and the kids pick up on that as well yeah they're they're in that space with you your mind isn't anywhere else we're not on our smart devices yeah we're not caught up in work which is really tough or the jobs around the house um so yeah there's an awful lot going on beyond the actual books and the re- the the words that we we're, we're using there which yeah. is the bit that i'm interested in as a psychologist but yeah of course it's the social piece as well the warmth that yes. we share
0: and you're so right cuz when mm. i remember like when i was a child you know my dad would have worked and my mother was at home but when he came home every night he would have been the one to read us stories, yes. you know, so that was that sort of bonding time that we would have had
3: with him at the mm. end of the day. Me too. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was very special because he uh, was taking the time to to read with us. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and then on a, on a Saturday, my mother would bring us to the library. Yeah, Why? Okay. so we just have (laughs) the same parents. (laughs) Very similar. (laughs) But
3: but even going to the library, you know, without an agenda, just what do we find? You know, what do we what do we do and see? Yeah, and it's
0: such a gift. I mean, um, Mm. Kieran said that as well. It's such an incredible gift Mm. to give a child because he's right. You know, you're never bored if you're a reader because there's always a new book, always a new world to to disappear into and I do think yes. that is an incredible gift um, to give a child now mm. you mentioned play yes. um, and I'm very interested in this because I feel like mm. this is a new sort of direction in, in education like this mm. idea of play and and I suppose how important is play in education do you think?
3: Well it's increasingly recognised as central and I think if you talk to anyone in early childhood education in particular mm. um, you're, you're preaching to the converted so we have a play-based curriculum but it is it is strange i've i've been on um on radio uh talking to to broadcasters about play and and there is this surprise around just how central it is to children's development Mm. but also the role that we play as the adult with children so i think with books it's quite tangible we share that space here's the book Um, A lot of the time we think of play as something that children do freely and play is only what children do on their own, you know, when they're given time in the yard or uh, time to play in class, for example, without the teacher's involvement. But increasingly, we understand that actually play is part of how we teach children and it's part of how children learn. And even more fundamentally, I suppose, is that it's respecting children's rights as young children, because mm. it's such an intrinsic part of childhood. It's mm. it's a natural motivator for children. Mm-hmm. They are naturally disposed to play. Mm. Um, so we can get involved with them and play in their space without necessarily i suppose that old uh, that idea of didactic teaching or more traditional teaching Mm. so increasingly now you see in primary schools in the infant classrooms for example that teaching is through play not it's not an add-on it's not time for children although my children will always tell me about their play time in school But you can also hear the way in which they're learning through play in class. And that's that's really, really important. But it is actually it sounds quite revolutionary (laughs) to us as a society. But it's become, I suppose, with all of the research evidence that we have now for how this supports learning, um, that it has become very deeply embedded in early childhood education. Um, yeah.
0: And I mean, I suppose it, it is very topical at the moment. And I think it has become increasingly valued by teachers in the sector. And do you think that's because of the evidence that's coming out or why is that?
3: Um, it's a mix, yes. So I'd be an advocate for let's look at the research. Mm-hmm. So when I teach early childhood education, <laughs> Such an academic, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
0: such a nerd.
3: Um, but you'll always go back to, well, what is the evidence? And, and what's strange about play is that for centuries, it's been talked about from mm. the very big thinkers like Piaget, Vygotsky have said play is so central. It's so important to children's well-being, their development. And yet we actually don't have a, a huge body of rigorous research on it, mm. which is why I'm so fascinated by it and, and uh, working in this field. Um, so we have this sense that it's important and anybody who works with young children, who, who parents or an auntie or uncle will see that. Play is that, again, it's that space where children feel respected, heard, listened to in their, on their terms. Mm. So play doesn't have an agenda. Real play. That's how we define it. You know, it's intrinsically motivating. It's fun. So nobody else is setting that for children. So they're exploring, they're learning, they're happy. And when we're happy, we learn. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's become People believe in it now, you know, and we we are putting children more central than we ever have, which is wonderful to see. Mm. And I think we're actually doing a super job in Ireland now Mm. in in putting children first. So play is often couched in a rights based perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we actually put children first, we have to look at what is meaningful for them, what is good for them. Mm. And obviously children Uh, are educated and and taught. And that's really important to do all of those things once they enter school. But children enter school quite young. Mm. So there's this transition from the early childhood education, which is outside of formal schooling, which is entirely play based curriculum. And then that brought into the primary schools increasingly mm. um, so it's a little bit complex I'm not sure if we want to get no, into that in the really, podcast well, but we, <laughs> you
0: know I'm actually when you were talking mm. there I suppose about that Ireland's doing really well I was I was curious to sort of know mm. like where we will be in, ter- you know because like, when yeah. you said there about us starting school early is it Germany mm. that they don't start till they're six I think so Yeah, yeah
3: certainly it's, it's Scandinavian countries I yeah. think it's, it's much I was in uh, Norway recently and um, certainly they take the approach of, of Leaving the more formal schooling till yes. later. Yes, um, it, children are educated. There's early childhood education, but it's not in the same way of starting the the primary school, um, and it's entirely play based as well. But children are learning. That's yeah. that's the key to this. Um, yeah. It's just being very responsive and led by children. Yeah. Um, we we bring our knowledge and what we can around the environment, and we we create the environment that will um, support children. Um, but really, we have to recognise where they are, I suppose, developmentally, and also what what is what is valuable. And this idea of putting children into very formal environments very early on, mm. um, it, it hasn't been shown to be, to to benefit them in the long run. Um, but that's that's I think for another <laughs> another yeah. day. But what we have found in Ireland is um, during the pandemic. I mean, we had quite a long lockdown mm-hmm. and then the summer break so children were out of school for six months um, which obviously some and uh, circumstances are different for children depending on whether parents could be with them as, at home mm-hmm. and parents may have lost their jobs It, it a yeah. very very uh, challenging time yeah very stressful for a lot of people yes and one of the during difficult times or major disasters one of the um things that we know psychologically uh, in the literature that helps children is play. So all the major uh, researchers and um, advocates for children were saying, can we just make sure children are not hidden during the pandemic, that they're getting to play? So uh, we wanted to do a study on how teachers were feeling about this in early childhood classrooms in Ireland, you know, during the lockdown. Did they plan on using play when the schools reopened? Were they advising parents to play at home as opposed to, you know, catching up on all this lost learning? And what we found was overwhelmingly the teachers in our study, and it was quite a quite a large sample, were saying that they really valued play almost everybody and that they would be using play when schools reopened. And they told us why. Mm. So they were talking about children's social experiences, but their emotional well-being. Mm. their um, uh, building building them up, I suppose, to to come back in to meet other children and to also we don't know what they what they experienced. You know, we were so focused on many things, quite rightly, during the pandemic, but children children relied on us whoever was care caring for them at home they you know they weren't as visible um, playgrounds shut uh, all of these things so we have been focusing a lot on what play has been like in education since the pandemic um, and we did a follow-up study then when schools reopened and asked teachers well how did it go <laughs> what, yeah. what happened in junior infants senior yeah. infants with these young kids and and absolutely, it, it was as teachers had said they would. They were practicing an awful lot of play in class, and not concerned that the children were missing out, yeah. which was really fabulous yeah. to to hear. Because I think
0: you know, during the pandemic, you know, all of the teachers that I knew were just mm. so concerned about their students, and you know, worrying that about so the, what environments they were you yeah, know in at home, so and um, yeah. and how challenging that was, and yes. and just really trying to support parents um, and the children Mm. as as best they could and I suppose that's why I'm just so glad that we have the Teachers Inspire Awards I think just to really recognize you know that incredible work
3: yeah absolutely incredible and I say that as a parent as much as a researcher I mean you always feel so grateful for the people who take great care of your your children and I was talking to a colleague um, yesterday about care and education and certainly in early childhood education those two are not Divorced, You know, yeah. they're really, really intricately linked. But I would imagine throughout education, this continues. You know, this is where we don't stop thinking about the children in front of us holistically. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, wonderful but, words.
0: Honestly, this is so interesting. I could listen to you talk about play um, for for hours, which I really don't think, you know, should be just limited to children. I think all no. of us could use more play, you know, for creativity Mm. and for just for stress relief and, you know, just for enjoyment in general. Mm. Um, So maybe when you're finished studying (laughs) early childhood, (laughs) you can start doing adult (laughs) adult play.
3: Sinead, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to me today. Thanks so much, Louise. It was a pleasure.
0: I'm Louise O'Neill, and thank you for joining me for this episode of the Teachers Inspire Ireland podcast. 2022. You can hear all of the episodes wherever you get your podcasts and you can find out more and maybe tell us about a teacher that made a difference in your life at teachersinspire.ie. Until the next time.